Welcome to ACER Training and Response Podcast. Please join us as Eric Thompson discusses the COVID-19 pandemic and how it pertains to animal welfare. Welcome, everybody, to a special edition on the ASAR Training and Response platform. Uh, you're going to start to see this special edition come out weekly, if not bi-weekly. And, of course, we're talking about our pandemic conditions and how it relates to our animals. And the reason we decided to start the special edition podcast this week, uh, as you know, ASAR Training and Response and Code 3 are members of the National Animal Rescue and Sheltering Coalition. We work on national guidelines with federal and state partners, along with NARS partners and other partners from NASEP, which are, is the National Alliance for State Animal and Agricultural Emergency Programs. Yes, that is a mouthful if you're not used to living in acronym land. Uh, and as we work with all these national programs, uh, it's important that we get the messaging out we get the, the proper messaging out and we get it out on a great many platforms. Uh, so uh, as you tune in with us, we will do our best to give you the latest and greatest breaking news uh, that has been vetted, so to speak, no pun intended, uh, where we can try to bring a little bit of calm, a little clarity the situations as it regards to our, our animals in the United States and we'll be looking at some of the topics uh, everything from sheltering to planning uh, even large animal considerations you know again everybody thinks about well COVID-19 uh, being transmittable and nobody's talking about really how it influences supply chains and and impacts uh, our, our large animal communities and just getting them some of the things that they need to for their animals. Uh, so we'll look at those in the upcoming weeks. We hope to have uh, additional partners on so we can do interviews, but otherwise we're going to do short snips throughout the week as we get good information or see good information. We're going to make sure that we get it up so people can listen and go find it. So let's get into some of the meat and potatoes misinformation that's going on out there. Uh, can your pet acquire COVID-19 and get you sick? Uh, and the answer is no, not right now. There's no evidence out there that says you're going to give your animal the virus or that your animal is going to give you the virus. Uh, and people are really worried about that right now because of some of the reports out of Hong Kong where there was a, a dog that showed a weak positive and then it showed that the virus was out of its system uh, and it was owned by somebody that had been sick. Now, we don't know the science behind that weak positive test. We don't know uh, why that animal uh, was able to, to give that result. But the fact is, out of all the countries and out of all the tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands of people dealing with this, we hear about one dog. So a little common sense along with the science is, um, you know, please don't assume that, that your pet 
can carry and infect you uh, with this virus because there's no evidence to that. And we're going to cite, you know, we're not just going to sit here and tell you things. I'm going to give you the websites. You can go read it for yourself. Um, and one of the most popular websites that we're watching is the CDC, Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, cdc.gov. You can get on there and check out what they're talking about with pets. And it's pretty straightforward. If you are sick, um, well, <laughs> I'm a pet owner, you know, and, and, and I'm an animal person, been an animal person for 20 years. I still do not advocate people licking and kissing on their dogs and cats. You know, you can show affection with your animals, but stop feeding them off of your kitchen spoons and swapping tongue kisses with them, um, especially now. And I'll tell you, that's just a, a personal point of view. But um, if you are sick, uh, take every precaution to to not spread that virus, including your furry family friends, um, and just pet them and love them as normal uh, without giving kisses uh, back and forth. Uh, but check out cdc.gov. They'll talk a little bit more about some of their uh, basic findings and their reinforcement of uh, there's no evidence of risk to people from animals. Uh, that's why a lot of what we're working on right now is getting these animals into foster homes so they can ride out some of these stay home orders uh, with families instead of in a shelter where they're going to receive basic care, but they don't have an opportunity to be adopted out if people aren't coming to see them. Uh, so there's, there's your first one. Uh, the second one that we're consistently getting questions on, can they be a fomite? Can they be a carrier on, on their fur for the virus? And the answer, and I'm going to be honest with you guys, is we don't know. We don't have that testing in place. We are working with AVMA, uh, the American Veterinary Medical Association, and CDC and USDA um, to see if we can get some sort of guidance on how long the virus potentially could last outside or, or, or on an animal. So if you're sick and you sneeze on your animal and you have COVID-19 and then that animal goes over to somebody else in the household and they pet the coat of that animal, um, can they be a fomite? Can they transmit it that way? Now, I will tell you right now, if you're in a household and you're sick, chances are you've already transmitted it to everybody in the household um, through another method besides your pet. Uh, but it, it comes to a point of, of not only safety for anybody that comes into your house or near that pet, or if you're out walking your dog and, and that dog brushes up against another dog, um, and then that dog comes in contact with another owner, and then we can go catastrophic planning from there. We don't feel at this time that the, that the animals are going to be a big carrier or, or be a, a source of fomite transmission, but again, we're waiting to hear from the AVMA and CDC as they work on this best practice guidelines for, you know, keeping your pet clean. Um, if you have to start considering sheltering, what's the procedure for those animals to come into their sheltering? If you're an animal control officer, what's the procedure for, for getting an animal into your truck or taking it into custody for one reason or, or another. And I say take it into custody because you can tell I come from law enforcement. Um, there's a much nicer way of putting that, I'm sure. Uh, but the whole point is, yes, we're talking about the virus, but this is all really basic biosecurity things that you should be thinking about for your agency or your profession anyway. 
think about it, you know, change the term COVID-19 to something like ringworm. How do you prevent getting ringworm when it's on the animal? Um, you know, what basic precautions do you have? And it all boils down to, yes, let's wash our hands. Let's make sure that, that um, we take every precaution we can, uh, assuming that, you know, you're going to pick something dirty up and it's going to get on you. And then we need to get that dirt off of you. And I'm not trying to downplay the virus, guys, but I'm also trying to bring a little calm to this, um, that we don't have all the evidence in place. We don't have all the testing in place. This is an emerging pandemic that we're just getting started on. So it is our job at the federal level and national level to do catastrophic planning because we want to be able to get that information down to boots on the ground where we can actually make a difference uh, as you deal with your, with your individual animal issues at home and at your workplace. Um, so check out cdc.org. The other one that we really like to watch and, and that we talk to avma.org. And for our veterinarians that listen, uh, we know you guys are, are dealing with a whole host of issues uh, related to the pandemic. And AVMA is, is trying to be a great source of, for the veterinary health community, along with pet owners and agencies, on as much guidance as they can give with what they know. And again, this is all about responsible reporting of what people know. We do our best forecasting and we all err on the side of caution within reason where we aren't creating more of a problem uh, with our excessive caution. And I'll take, for example, let's go to our sheltering partners. I've talked to just a lot of different sheltering partners here in the last three or four days, because as you know, we put out a uh, how do you handle pets that have been exposed to COVID-19 through Code 3 and, and ASAR training and response worked with our Code 3 partners and some of our other national consultants to come up with, if you have to decontaminate this animal, here's what it can look like. Um, but then you use the word decontaminate and that can be scary for some agencies. So we change the word out and say, okay, decontaminate means simply bathe that animal and wash it off. And then we'll get continued questions. Well, what about PPE or personal protective equipment? What do we have to wear after that animal is bathed in, in our shelter environment? Well, the fomite or the virus, if it was on the coat, should be washed off it there by now if you do a good job. Uh, and then we go to down in the rabbit hole on proper bathing techniques. And again, guys, ladies and gents, this is, this is something that your shelters should be practicing. You should be doing just-in-time training. You should be holding yourself to a higher standard on everyday bathing because uh, you just never know what animals have on them in general, let alone worrying about uh, a COVID virus on there. So again, right now, until we have some more evidence for our shelter folks or for our CART teams or county animal response teams uh, that may feel like they're gonna have to deploy an emergency animal shelter, at this point in time, we don't have enough evidence to give you any guidance on if that animal can carry the virus outside on its coat for any extended amount of time. We have differing opinions from experts, everything that says don't worry about that animal, just use good handling practices, minimize contact with it, and, and the virus, if it is on there, will die eventually due to environmental circumstances. We've got other people say 
everything that comes into the shelter should be bathed because we know soap and water will take care of that virus. Just make sure the bathing is thorough and then that animal can go into the shelter environment. And then we have some that says animals should be full on decon um, and monitored. And we've even seen recommendations for five day isolation of that animal. And guys, we're just not there yet. I understand the overabundance of caution and I am not poo-pooing or bad mouthing anybody's plans. It is good to catastrophic plan in your agency. If you're not doing it, you need to sit down and have the really scary what if conversations. I will tell you in all the pandemic planning we've done on a federal level, never once did I think we'd be doing it where the whole country was affected at once. It was always going to be a wave. And here we've got issues happening all over the country all at once. And so it's even a little bit new in, in what we're looking at. But again, have those scary conversations and having the gap analysis of where, ooh, I don't know how to fill this one, that's great. Send us those gaps because chances are somebody else in another agency that we work with already knows how to fill that gap and has resources. And, and that takes me back down to for our local resources, our emergency planners and our state planners that haven't gotten this far for animal planning, um, the, there is no silver bullet you can't call up the federal government and send the national veterinary response team to set up a shelter for me. It's not reasonable. It's not cost effective. And chances are you have resources around that can help in some other fashion. And so we're really pushing this back to boots on the ground and boots on the ground is our shelter partners, our ACOs, um, uh, other nonprofits and non-governmental non agencies uh, that are out there doing foster care um, and everybody that contributes to the pet welfare world in some fashion or another, whether you're a dog food supplier, whether you're into transport, um, whether you're foster care, whether you are a shelter administrator and trying to figure this out for your people, um, that's probably the, the number one take home message is people, um, protect your people, you know, and, and responder safety, safety, People safety is number one. And I, I see some agencies recommending um, let's just not do services. And if you see that, most times the recommendation not to provide a service isn't because of what the animal is a, a, a hazard or, or going to be an issue. It's because it, it brings people in contact with other people. And that's what we're trying to avoid. And you guys know that all too well through the other social media. So we're not going to get stuck into wash your hands, stop licking each other and, <laughs> and social distancing. I think we got it for our vets and our veterinarians uh, partners is I know you're undergoing a lot of stress. I know a lot of questions come to you and you are looking for guidance in a great many ways. Uh, hopefully you're getting it through uh, your American Veterinary Medical Associations and waiting on some of the evidence to start to give us better guidance. I think that's gonna come in the next week. Um, but again, guys, we're gonna do these podcasts on a regular basis because this is a fluid situation and what we know changes literally every day. So what I tell you today, if I come back tomorrow and I say, oh, well, here's a new update and here's what we're doing now and this is our new normal, you gotta roll with it. 
we're trying to give you the best information. And even though I'm telling you, I don't have it all right here in front of me, I will tell you there are a crap load of people at different levels working on it. Um, if you get information you're not sure of or want to cross-reference that, you can always reach out to us uh, or reach out to another NARS partner um, because we're all trying to give that same message the best that we can and work in unity. Um, that's about it for what I've got for now. I'm doing this one on Monday the 23rd in the afternoon. I've just gotten off calls. I hope that uh, I'll probably do another one on Thursday after I have some more calls uh, and uh, we'll probably do two a week. I hopefully can get some other national partners on here uh, that can help answer questions. In the meantime, if you have questions or your agency has questions that you want answered, um, we're happy to send those through our, our chains of communication. You can email us at info at asartraining.com info at asrtraining.com and you can also watch the header on our homepage. Um, right now we've got the shelter toolkit up there. Some of that shelter toolkit information needs to be updated. So we will start to get updates on there and then as we start to get really good links from our partners we will put that on the header of our homepage on a daily basis if, as it changes. So you guys know the basics. Social distancing. I know you don't want to but you have to. It's going to help everybody. Uh, of course, wash your hands. Don't lick your pets. Don't let your pets lick you. <laughs> I'm sorry I have to say that. And y'all can yell at me because I know some of you really like licking your pets, but that's all right. Um, and I say that with, with a big smile on my face because, you know, I love you and, and um, I am a big fan of animals. And then for folks that you're not receiving any uh, answers on an issue that you're having. It may be an issue that we're missing. It may be something uh, regional. It may be something that hasn't come to fruition yet. Um, but right now we're looking at things. We're still concentrating on uh, how to help animals where owners may not be able to care for them any longer because they're sick. And we're trying to get this whole emergency animal sheltering guidance nailed down. So on the off chance and the rare occasion that emergency animal shelter would need to pop up, we know exactly how we need to handle it. I mean, we've got great guidelines for decontamination. But if we don't have to waste the PPE, if we don't have to tax the system, decontaminating animals in a large uh, emergency animal shelter is going to require a lot of people resources being in one area. That's what we're trying to avoid. You know, this foster care, if you can foster an animal right now, that is a really great solution because those animals need to be in a, in a better environment or in, a, in an environment where they can thrive and grow. It'll give people something to do. And it also creates that isolation for that pet versus if we have them in an emergency animal shelter, um, that it's harder to control any uh, fomites or vectors in there. So if you get an opportunity, foster a dog for a little bit or foster a kitty for a little bit or whatever animal you're fostering and stay tuned because we will be releasing these, um, like I said, every week for sure, every couple days if it really gets hot and heavy. And as I get your questions, I will make sure that they are answered, you know, the same week. So if you email me tomorrow when on, on the Thursday call, I'll answer your questions. Um, I'll also uh, try to I'll throw you an email back as it comes through our admin team uh, so you have a little bit more uh, a faster uh, response. So in the meantime, this is Eric Thompson with ASAR Training and Response. 
be safe out there. Send me your questions and uh, help us help everybody else. Have a great day.